Live by every word. That is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God Himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. Thanks for joining me here on Live by Every Word on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG. We're online at kpcg.fm, and we have a live link at thetrumpet.com. This program and all of the programming here on Trumpet Radio is available in podcast form as well, and so you can get those podcasts uh, wherever you like to get your podcasts, including thetrumpet.com and kpcg.fm. Well, what is the foundational truth of the Bible? What is the foundational truth of the Bible? After all, the foundation is what we build on. It's what we build on. And if the foundation is off, then everything that we build on top of it is off also. And eventually it'll have a, a big fall. That happens sometimes with physical structures, and it's uh, quite destructive and pretty embarrassing for the builder. So we have to have the right foundation. And to understand the foundational truth of the Bible, we have to begin in the book of John. The book of John. So we have a few passages today that we'll look at. And if you have a Bible handy, it'd be great to get it out, and we could go through these together. John 1 and verse 1, right there in the beginning of John. Notice this. John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, this is a passage that is confusing to a lot of people, but yet we can see the clear meaning. This passage here is discussing God and the Word. God and the Word. And Trumpet Editor-in-Chief, Mr. Gerald Fleury, writes this in the Herbert W. Armstrong Bible Correspondence Course. This is a free course at thetrumpet.com. He says, these two made one God, one family. They were both God in the same sense, that two members of the same family could both be Smith. And so God created humans to have families. And he did that so that we can understand what God is building. God is a family. And he built the physical family and created that to teach us about the God family. We can understand this because, see, most people have a first name and a last name, right? That last name is a family name. We can understand that there can be multiple people that have the same last name because they're part of the same family. But, of course, they're individual people. And so that's what is being discussed here, the fact that there are these two beings, God and the Word, and they're both God. They're part of the God family. Now, the false teaching of the Trinity makes God confusing. It makes it into something that we, we can't wrap our minds around. But it's not true. The plain Bible truth is that God is a family. And of course, the beautiful thing about that is that God is then looking to expand that family through mankind. You see, that's why the teaching of the Trinity is so deadly deceptive, because it's a closed off entity. And okay, well, we can look at that or think about it, but it doesn't have a lot to do with us, really. 
but God's not that at all. He's a family, and that has everything to do with us. That's why we were made, was to be part of that family of God. And that's why there's family. And, of course, that's being destroyed more and more. But the reason it's being destroyed is because Satan hates family. He hates God's family, and he does not want mankind to understand his potential. But the plain truth of the Bible is that God is a family, and he's looking to expand that family through mankind. And so when we look at John 1 and verse 1 here, it tells us the story of a past eternity, a time when nothing else had been created. There was just God and the Word, two beings, two beings. Now, John is called one of the sons of thunder. You can read that in Mark 3 and verse 17. And Mr. Flurry writes in the correspondence course that John gives us a thunderous introduction to this gospel, taking the reader back beyond the angelic plan to when there was only God and the Word. Now, see, we could read over John 1 and verse 1 and just kind of move on and not think much about it. But when we really stop and think about what John's describing here, this time before anything else was created, it's amazing to go back and think about that, what that would have been like. Two beings, two God beings that want to expand their family. And so why did God inspire John to write this? I mean, John got this knowledge from God. He didn't just make it up. It was revealed to him. Why was he inspired to write this? You know, Christ undoubtedly told him about this. Why did he write about this? Well, it's probably because of the fact that Lucifer and one-third of the angels failed to obey God. They failed to administer his government. They were a failure. And so God takes us all the way back to the beginning. Before any of that, he takes us back there so that we can get our beginning right here. Mr. Fleury writes that Lucifer, whose name literally means light bringer, he brought light, but then something tragic happened. He lost this light. God and the Word had lived together for all eternity in unity and in love. And after the angels were created, Lucifer and one-third of the angels rebelled. And for the first time ever in the universe, I mean, just think about this. For the first time ever in the universe, there was rebellion, there was disunity, and a lack of love. And so here John, in John 1 and verse 1, he goes back to a time when there was no sin. He goes all the way back to the beginning because God now has a better plan. He has another plan. Lucifer and a third of the angels failed, but he has a better plan. Now God has a better plan, and that's a family plan. And that plan includes you and me. That plan includes us. Mr. Flurry writes, the angels who were sent to beautify the earth, who should have been qualified to do the same to the entire universe, they failed. And so God had to enact another plan. He had a plan B, just in case something like this were to happen. Plan B was actually a family plan. God had decided if he couldn't get the angels to do that job, that he would recreate himself and man and expand his family. And so as 
we can see Lucifer and the angels were not offered a part in God's family. I mean, they were offered a chance to, to help God and to be helpers and have a wonderful life, <laughs> a wonderful eternity, but yet they rebelled. And so God enacts plan B, a family plan. It's a better plan because now God can expand his family with other God beings. You know, like a man and a woman get married and they have one child and then they have another one and maybe they have another one. And so there's more. We understand that. God created it to work that way so that we could understand this spiritual family that he's building. We understand that you can have more, (laughs) right? You can have more. And God wants a lot more. He wants more in his family. God is offering a part in his family to you. And, you know, we can say, well, that just sounds too fantastic. But it is fantastic. And it's the truth of the Bible. And Satan hates that truth. And so this whole world is deceived about this. And you can read in Revelation 12, verse 9, and 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4, you know, Satan's deceived the whole world. He is the God of this world. He has false religion that teaches a false Christ. Why? Why why do that? Because he hates this plan. He hates this plan. And here John's taking us all the way back before there was sin, before there was disunity and hatred and rebellion to God and the Word. And then he starts talking about this plan B. Notice John 1, verses 12 through 13. Talking about when Christ came to this earth, he says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, the sons of God. I mean, we understand what it means if you say that person is the son of that man. We understand what that means. It's part of the family. He's a son. It's the same thing here. Christ gave those that believed and received him power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And that's a lot more than just saying, I believe Christ is Christ. It means obeying him. Verse 13 says, Which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And see, when a person's baptized after they're called and they repent and they have faith and they they are baptized and have the ministry of God lay the hands upon them and, and, and pray for the imparting of the Holy Spirit, they receive a down payment of that Holy Spirit, a little bit that they can work with. And as they grow and they develop, they can have more of God's Spirit and increase that. See, that's God's will. God's the one that's done that. It's not man that decides. God has to call. You can read that in John 6 and verse 44. God the Father has to call somebody. He has to call them. And if they accept that calling, then he begins to work with them in this way to the end that they become actual born sons of God. And that means exactly how it sounds. Born as a God, as a spirit being. Humanly, we're not born again in the flesh. It can't happen. We're begotten by God's Spirit, but as Christ talked about, when we're born of God, it's like being the wind, right? You can't see it. (laughs) It's spirit. Physically, you can't see it. 
So there's a lot more information about that at thetrumpet.com. These are a lot of big subjects, of course, but we're just touching some of them as we, again, focus on this foundational truth of the Bible, and we're getting to what that is, and we're talking about it and talking about the God family, but we'll get to it more specifically here as we go. But see, the thing about this plan of man being born into the God family, it's so incredible, but it was so risky, right? Because God the Father and Jesus Christ had to risk it all because man sinned man sins christ came and was a perfect sacrifice for the sins of mankind but they risked everything if he had sinned even once he couldn't have qualified to be your savior or my savior and he would have been dead for eternity i mean he he risked it all and god the father risked it all but because they succeeded Individuals can repent of their sins and be forgiven. You see, repentance is necessary. And then God forgives. What is it worth to, to have that? You, know, you can't put a dollar value on it or you know, whatever monetary unit you want to use. It, it just, it's beyond anything we could think of in terms of value. It's the most valuable gift that could be given. Notice John 1 and verse 14, it says, And the Word was made flesh. So that word that we read about there in John 1 and verse 1 here, he was made flesh, right? We're we're going through this progression of history. He was made flesh. He came to this earth as Christ. It says, And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. John did. John was right there. It says, The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And Mr. Fleury writes, But plan B involved tremendous risk. Now God was taking a chance on losing the Word, who later became his son upon begettal in the Virgin Mary. The Word would have to divest himself of his eternal glory and live a perfect life as a mortal human being, to qualify as the unblemished sacrificial lamb to pay the tremendous price for the sins of all mankind. And what if the Word were to sin? His death would then only pay for his own sins, and it would not have been possible to resurrect him. That would have left only one God and no Savior, no family, no future for mankind. And that may very well be why God made it plan B, because it was so risky. It was so risky. And even physically, when we have families and you know we have children, there's risk involved. Right There's risk that even in that just begettal then in birth that there'll be a problem somewhere along the line and something may not work right. or You know, that does happen, and that's a very hard thing. If there's a problem there, there's risk involved. And there's great reward, of course, and it's, it's awesome to have a family and to expand it. But there's always some risk. And for God and the Word, it was the ultimate risk. Notice uh, Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, let's look at verses 1 through 4. You know, Christ came and was his perfect sacrifice. Hebrews 10, verses 1, it says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Right? Ancient Israel had certain sacrifices, but... Ultimately, we need Christ. We need that sacrifice. Verse 2, for then would they not have ceased to be offered. 
you know, they'd keep, we'd keep doing it today. But of course, those, those sacrifices aren't done anymore. It says, because the, that the worshipers once purged should have no more conscious of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Right? They're, they can't do that. I mean, ancient Israel had to see and understand that there is a penalty for sin. Right? But ultimately, Christ is the one that had to come and be sacrificed. The blood of bulls and of goats that can't take away sin. There's always a penalty for breaking God's law. That's what God was trying to show Israel. Look, there's always a penalty. There's a penalty for it. And God doesn't just say, oh, well, we'll forget about it. You know, he says, look, a penalty's got to be paid because the law's been broken. And then after a person repents and that shed blood of Christ covers that sin, then, then it's forgotten about, of course. But there has to be a sacrifice. And Christ had to come and shed his blood. He did that. He did it because God so desperately wants a family. God the Father, the Word, who is now Jesus Christ, they want a family. They want it so desperately that they risked everything for it because they want to expand their family. And that was something that it's hard to even wrap our minds around. Physically, many people, most people want family, at least they used to. I don't know. Maybe that's changing, but... People have wanted family, and they've really yearned for that. But, and that gives us some insight into the way God feels, but just how deeply do they yearn for family? They put everything on the line for it, everything. So Christ came to this earth. He was a perfect sacrifice. And notice what else Christ did that was so vital when he came to this earth. John 1 and verse 18, this really gets us into this foundational truth of the Bible. John 1 and verse 18, it says, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, talking about that close, intimate relationship, He has declared Him. Christ came and declared the Father. Mr. Fleury writes that Thayer's lexicon says that Christ was in the closest, most intimate relation with the Father. So he was in his bosom, that close relationship. And, and that's where the Father wants you. And he wants me. He wants us in his bosom that way, to have that same relationship that he and Christ have. See, family, a family relationship. And then that last part of verse 18 there, Mr. Fleury says, it says that when Jesus Christ came to earth... He declared the Father. That was his message for mankind. It was about the Father. Christ came and he declared his Father. Now, false Christianity would have you believe that Christ came and did away with what his Father taught and his Father's laws. And that's not true at all. No, he declared it and he magnified his law, the law of God. Mr. Fleury writes, Our Father is the head of the wonderful, majestic God family. And Christ was not a rebellious son who came to declare himself. He wasn't a rebellious son who just came and talked about himself. Now he plays a huge role in things, and certainly uh, we do need to understand that and value that, of course. But the father is the head of the God family. 
see the truth of the Bible, the foundational truth is that God is a family. He's building a family, and the Father is the head of it. Mr. Fleury writes, false Christianity builds its work around the person of Christ, not his message of declaring the Father. <laughs> see, and Christ warned about that. You know, they'll come and say, you know, Christ is Christ and deceive many. But look, the message that Christ brought, that's what we need to be paying attention to. The message, and his message was declaring the Father. Mr. Fleury says, Christ led the way in declaring the Father. Now we are commanded to follow his example. Our number one passion must be to declare the Father and his family. That has to be our number one passion. Declare the Father and his family. It's the God family. And who's the head of it? God the Father. Mr. Fleury says, Declaring the Father is what separates God's very elect from his own Laodicean church and the world. See, it's about the message, (laughs) what message is being preached. Christ came and declared the Father and the God family. And he showed that the Father is the head of that family. Mr. Fleury writes, This is the foundational truth of the Bible. People who don't declare the Father are deceived. They don't understand that our calling is about being born into God's family, headed by the Father. That's the foundational truth of the Bible. That man is created to be born into God's family, and that family is headed by the Father. It's this God family vision, and the Father is the head of that family. That's what Christ preached. That's the foundational truth of the Bible. If you'd like more information on this, please request our free book, The God Family Vision, and also sign up for our free correspondence course, the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. We've had many people go through it and graduate and uh, have been thrilled to do so because they learn a lot, and you can too. That's all the time we have for this edition of Live by Every Word. I'm Dwight Falk. Thank you for spending some of your time with me today. Until next time. Let's all strive to more perfectly live by every word of God. You've been listening to Live by Every Word on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.